Good morning. Justice is uh, a word that we hear every day, a word that means different things to different people. Some hear the word justice as liberal, cultural, political, or maybe social, as in the social gospel. However you hear it, I'm here to tell you this morning that God loves justice. And we need to figure out what it means and that we may also love it as God does. How many times have you heard a child say, that's not fair? How do they have that sense of fairness or equity or justice? Where does that come from? I think young people know instinctively that God loves justice, or at least that there is justice in the universe. And even if they don't get it right all the time, they care about justice. And so when they perceive believers being dismissive of justice issues, they become disheartened. And it does even more damage, I think, when from their perspective, they perceive the church acting unjustly toward certain people or people groups. The church cannot afford to alienate the next generation. We have, we have a responsibility to pass the church on to the next generation. They won't get it all right, but neither did we. Justice is everywhere in the Bible. It is the character of God. It is a sign of the kingdom, and historically, it is the work of the church. And so our defining word this morning is justice. And the scripture lesson is from Psalm 99, the first five verses. This passage is a bridge to our defining word last week, which was kingdom. And we are being reminded in this passage that God is the king who is all about justice. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Lord is king. Let the nations tremble. He sits on his throne between the cherubim. Let the whole world quake. The Lord sits in majesty in Jerusalem, exalted above all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Your name is holy. Mighty king, lover of justice, you have established fairness. You have acted with justice and righteousness throughout Israel. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. Did you catch it? It was there in verse 4. God, the mighty king, is a lover of justice. He establishes fairness, equity. He does what is just and right. Now, God's justice may, not, may or may not look like what our culture calls justice. It's why we need to listen carefully, why we need to learn to trust God's spirit as he guides and directs us, or we're likely to get it wrong. God, the supreme justice, does what is just and right. The one who is seated on the throne, guiding the course of world history and human destiny, is a king who loves justice. Now, justice may not happen according to our timetable. I sometimes wonder, why did it take God 400 years to finally answer the cries of his people who were enslaved in Egypt? On the other hand... Perhaps we can be thankful that uh, God's justice is sometimes deferred or delayed. Scripture says he does not treat us as our sins deserve. 
Certainly God allows and suffers a great deal of injustice in the world, but in the grand scheme of eternity, there will be justice. God will right every wrong, victims will be vindicated. God hears the cries of the oppressed, the poor, the persecuted, and God help us if we don't. There's an ancient saying, the wheels of God's justice grind slow, but they grind exceedingly fine. When Mary was carrying Jesus in her womb, she carried hope in her heart. In the Magnificat, Mary declared the good news of God's justice. This is what she said. My soul glorifies the Lord. He has been mindful of my humble estate. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. Tell me that Mary's song is not a song of, God, of, of the gospel, a song of social justice. For Mary, God's justice was good news. God is coming. The kingdom is breaking in. The rich and the powerful are going to get their comeuppance. The hungry and lowly will be lifted up. There will be justice. There will be equity. God will do what is just and right. In fact, Mary was so convinced of these things that she spoke of them as though they were already accomplished. You can be certain that Mary instilled this vision and hope in her son. Jesus was born into poverty, born a Jew, born in the land occupied by an oppressive, brutal, and violent empire, Rome. Jesus suffered gross injustice at the hands of his captors, a kangaroo court, and the lynching that was the cross. He suffered at the hands of those who possessed power and privilege. God endured the injustice of human sin. Betrayal, lies, hatred, fear, pride, and prejudice. Amazingly, Jesus put himself in solidarity with humanity, identifying with us, and suffered not only for our sin, but because of it. Jesus exposed the evil and injustice of this world in people, in systems, in institutions. And by his death, he united himself with all unjust suffering in the world from the beginning of time till its end. Wherever there is suffering and injustice, God sympathizes and empathizes. We miss the full message of the cross if we simply view it as the justice of God satisfied, a legal transaction, sins paid for. God suffers with us, for us, and because of us. And we are called to carry our own crosses, which sometimes means, means that we will have to endure suffering and injustice ourselves. And sometimes it means that we are called to be advocates, putting ourselves in solidarity with the hurting, the oppressed, and the marginalized, that we may seek justice on their behalf as Jesus did for us. God the King loves justice. It is central to his character. If we are made in the divine image, and if that image is being renewed in us, and if we have the mind of Christ, and if we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, isn't it reasonable that we might think that we might begin to think more and more about issues of justice and equity? Isn't this the golden rule that is found in all mature religion? Jesus summed up the law and the prophets, much of which is about justice in these words, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Matthew 7, 12. 
I trust that you're familiar with Micah 6.8. It's an important passage. God has showed you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We are accountable for the ways that we treat others, for the way that we defend others, for our advocacy or our silence. I remind you of Dr. King's famous quote, for evil to succeed, all it needs is for good men to do nothing. Justice is creating safe, loving, and caring communities. Communities of shalom, especially for those on the margins and the most vulnerable. The church historically, seeing real needs, responded to them. The church established hospitals, orphanages, homes for the aged, homeless shelters and soup kitchens, and schools. These were in response to social needs. God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. The gospel is good news for society. It transforms lives and communities. The reformer Martin Luther was an advocate of public education. Churches have welcomed refugees and provided education and support as they got resettled. Some churches were active in the abolition movement to end slavery. Others sadly defended it and ended up on the wrong side of history. The church at her best does what is just and right in every age. I've been to Washington, D.C. only once in my life. It was for a Right to Life rally on a very cold day in January. The pro-life movement has long been a social justice issue, especially for evangelicals and Catholics, speaking for those who have no voice, advocating for the unborn. It is an issue of justice that we care about. And before we demonize brothers and sisters who have a different political bent, remember that they care just as deeply about life. We need to remember that God cares deeply about life, all of life, and every life, from cradle to grave, from womb to tomb. It's why this month we are raising support for the Options Care Pregnancy Center here in Jamestown and for the Karawa Coffee Project for Congo. Both are about life and human flourishing. Justice is God's tool. Listen, this is important. Justice is God's tool for creating communities of shalom. It is why in both Old and New Testament, you hear the mandate to care for the widow and orphan, the poor, the alien and the stranger, and the incarcerated. We still have those groups among us. And in our society, in a society that is stratified by race as ours is, we have to add people with black and brown skin who are vulnerable or marginalized, whose lives are at risk. And when we're talking about things like poverty, health care, education, environment, even the pandemic, those who are, who are most at risk are even more at risk in these areas. It's my hope and prayer for us here at Zion that justice and the pursuit of shalom will infu infuse every aspect of our congregational life and will be part of the DNA of this church. 
God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. May it be said of us, of Zion Covenant Church, that we are lovers of justice in the same way that God our King is. May the life and work of this church serve as a picture of God's intentions for human flourishing and the transformation of society. Martin Luther King Jr. said, our goal is to create a beloved community, and this will require a qualitative change in our souls and a quantitative change in our lives. May we be lovers of justice, reflecting the character and cause of Christ our King. Amen. Let's pray. Holy and just God, we come before you this morning acknowledging the ways, God, in which we have sometimes acted unjustly, the ways we have sometimes turned a deaf ear, the ways that we sometimes excuse ourselves and defend our own actions and turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to the suffering and injustice around us. God, you are a lover of justice. We pray that you would infuse in us your own heart, your own mind. God, that you would enkindle in us a passion to be about the things that matter to you. God, may the things that grieve your heart grieve ours. May the things that cause you to weep cause us to weep. And God, may we be your hands and feet in this world. May we be a people who reflect your character, your nature, bringing hope and healing to our world. God, bless this church and its work. Bless your church everywhere. And God, may justice, may your justice be carried out in this world. And we look forward to the day of Christ's return when all things will be made right, when all will be vindicated, we pray, your, we pray for that day, for your kingdom to come, and for your will to be done even now. In Jesus' name, amen. In a few moments, we are going to be going into our um, annual, uh, semi-annual business meeting, uh, but before we, and you'll be dismissed before we actually go into that meeting, for those, for those of you who um, are not staying for that. But as a part of the worship service, as we close this morning, we've had a tradition over the last few years of, uh, of presenting uh, what is called the Ralph and Carolyn Johnson Award. And it has, uh, last couple of years, it has morphed into really two awards, uh, a legacy award uh, given to uh, an, an individual or couple who have, uh, who have really created a legacy here at Zion, whose uh, lives and whose service to this church have left an impact and perhaps they served many years ago, in some cases perhaps even decades ago, but uh, our church was blessed and, and uh, impacted by their ministries among us. And so the first award uh, today is given to Virginia Ganan, who is 97 years old, and uh, until, until last March when COVID began, Virginia was still regular in worship with us, and she is right now watching on Facebook, so hi Virginia. And uh, we went to her home, Don Columbert and I, and Bob and, and uh, uh, Camille were at her home this week to present that award to her. And so we have a, a brief video uh, to see right now. <laughs> 
Virginia. This is for your devotion to Jesus Christ and his church, for faithful and sacrificial giving of your time, talents, and treasures to build up the body of Christ that is Zion Covenant Church, for the impact and the legacy you leave, for your exceptional decades-long service in a host of areas, including High League, teaching the women's study, Sunday school class, nursery, and VBS nursery, late bloomers, and anywhere you were needed. And with a servant heart and a joyful spirit, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you very much. So Virginia, we're just here today to say thank you and acknowledge you for your years of service at Zion, and uh, we love you, and we are we thank God for you and the legacy that uh, you have left. Uh, we are amazed that you have been at Zion for what 90 or 91 years. And I was, I joined the church 60 years ago. You joined the church 60 years ago. Wow, six de six decades ago. That's amazing. <laughs> And, and uh, we were just going through the confirmation book. You were confirmed in 1938, mm -hmm. along with Ralph Johnson, yeah. for whose uh, this award is named. So uh, congratulations and thank you again. And we, uh, Bo uh, Bob and Camille are here as well. Um, they have a legacy of their own. One day we'll be <laughs> celebrating you guys. So. <laughs> thank you very much. Okay. You want to wave to everybody at Zion? <laughs> okay. Thank you again, Virginia. So uh, Don's going to come up and join me, and uh, we're going to ask uh, John D'Angelo to come up because he is receiving uh, the uh, Ralph and Carolyn Johnson Service Award this morning. And uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Don is going to read uh, the actual plaque and award, but there's not enough room on the plaque to put all the things that John does around here, or honestly, our, and I'm speaking on behalf of staff and leadership and the whole church, our deep gratitude to you for all the things that you do here. So. To John D'Angelo, for his devotion to Jesus Christ and his church, for faithful and sacrificial giving of his time, talents, and treasures to build up the body of Christ that is Zion Covenant Church. For his exceptional leadership and commitment to a host of areas, including, but not limited to, serving on the leadership team as treasurer, assisting regularly and creatively in children's ministry, being a constant presence and support to staff and congregation during the COVID pandemic, available whenever and wherever needed, and always with a servant heart and a joyful spirit. Well done. and. Good and faithful servant. Thank you very much. And as evidenced by our screen earlier, you get what you pay for. So <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, I hate these things. I appreciate it very much. Okay. 
So uh, everyone, anyone is welcome to stay. The meeting is extremely brief, but uh, if you need to leave or want to leave, you're welcome to do that right now, and then we're going to go right into uh, the business meeting.